When I stand accused by my regrets And the devil roars his empty threats I will preach the gospel to myself That I am not a man condemned For in Jesus Christ is my defense My sin is nailed to the cross My soul is healed by the scars Good day and welcome to Theology in the Dirt. We want to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. We record Theology in the Dirt from Global Impact Restoration Rome, where we work to address the foster care adoption crisis in northwest Georgia, the state of Georgia, the southeast, and the world as we practice our theology in the public square. You can check out Restoration Rome by going to restorationrome.org. My name is Mitchell Jolly. And I'm Chris Hayes. Thanks for listening, guys. Now, how about we get to some headlines? Well, the Supreme Court on Thursday ruled unanimously in favor of a 94-year-old lady named Geraldine Tyler, whose home was seized and sold for a profit by Minnesota County by a Minnesota County in 2016 to settle a small tax debt. The taxpayer must render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but no more, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote in the unanimous opinion, which dealt a blow to the controversial practice often referred to as home equity theft. There's a lot going on there, and I will just move on. <laughs> All taxation is theft. If it's not a consumption tax, they're stealing from us. I don't care what anyone says. Um, yeah. Anyway, on <laughs> Thursday, the court also ruled 5-4 to four to restrict the power of the Environmental Protection Agency to enforce federal clean water protections, particularly in the nation's wetlands and other waterways. Also, a 75-year-old Michigan man who in September shot an 84-year-old woman canvassing at his home for Right to Life, which is a pro-life organization, was handed down a sentence of 100 hours of community service and 12 months probation on Tuesday after pleading no contest to the assault. The woman, Joan Jacobson, survived the attack but received hospital treatment for a shoulder wound. Investigators looking into Donald Trump's handling of classified material since leaving the White House has reportedly learned that the former president and his aides carried out a dress rehearsal for moving sensitive documents around Mar-a-Lago, and that boxes of paper were moved by two Trump employees one day before FBI agents and Justice Department officials uh, traveled to his Florida estate to retrieve the material. The actions, if verified, could justify an obstruction charge, and Trump's lawyers have reportedly warned him to brace for an indictment this year. And then finally, the Department of Labor reported Thursday that initial jobless claims, which is a proxy for layoffs, increased by 4,000 week over week to a seasonally adjusted 229,000 claims last week, which is not good economic news. And those are my headlines for today. So if, it, let's say Trump becomes president again, does he just like, you know, free himself? Like, <laughs> just Can give he just pardon himself? That's a, that's a good question. I'm just curious if like, that's... That's a legit question to have. I wonder if that's how that works. If any of you guys are constitutional law people out there and you listen to this, hit us up, theologyinthedirt at gmail.com, and let us know what would happen. And I actually don't know the answer to that question. If he yeah. got indicted, if he wins the presidency, well, if he gets indicted before the the elections and say he gets... Can he I, even run? Can he even run? 
I'm ashamed. I don't know the answer to that question, but that's a good question. Yeah. Wow. So this, yeah. That could be mm. asking good questions today. Yeah. All so right. <clears throat> for mine, uh, if you remember recently, Bud Light's made a lot of uh, noise in the uh, news oh, world. Oh, I've got a joke. <laughs> this is okay. So, <laughs> the devil drinks Bud Light and shops at Target. That's well, not really a joke, but it's a fact. No, and, and my news story is about Target, but to preface that, Bud Light was in the news by they ended up losing billions and billions of dollars because they hire a transgender person to be their spokesperson and Let's just say the large portion of the Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch marketplace was not pleased. Yeah. One Number one rule of marketing is know your audience. Yeah. And and people are, companies are failing at this left and right. And Target decided, and then today they were like, hey, Bud Light, hold my beer. We've got one for you. <laughs> and they hired a, Satan, a known Satanist to design their pride collection that they rolled out in stores. Now this isn't just like clothing with like a rainbow on it. This is, they, they are highlighting transgenderism, non-binary, uh, pretty much all things LGBTQ, but in a plus, but in a way that's like in your face, like it's just over the top. Yeah. And it was received not so well. <laughs> in fact, target lost yeah. $9 billion in about two weeks. Yeah, and 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 probably going to lose more because people yeah. are just done. And so let's shut them down, man. Yeah, it's just this constant. But the worst part is, and so Target learned from Bud Light and decided we better have an emergency leadership meeting after about a week of just terrible response and feedback. And clearly, they they pulled all. So they pulled the collection from the shelves, and then but instead of just owning it, saying we made a bad decision and and it's a money decision for us, they are blaming it on their staff members being attacked and feeling threatened by people. And so it, it's it, for employee safety, we're removing this collection uh. by all of people who are mm. angry and attacking and threatening lives. So mm. basically it's, it's like, somebody else like doubling fault. down on the people that they offended, right. blaming them now for having to pull it from the shelf. So Target, mm. you, you done messed up. Yeah, you done, <laughs> you done messed up. Uh, and my only other headline today, just going in the sports world, because I'm a golf fan. I, I know, you know, like I like yeah. to play golf. I like to watch golf. <clears throat> and sports can be romantic, right? They just have some yeah. good stories. And the PGA Championship this past weekend, uh, a local, not local from there, but uh, uh, from California, a pro, so like a club pro, like a, yeah. who's the professional at a course, gives lessons for like $150 for like an hour lesson, um, got a chance to play in the PGA Championship, ended up finishing tied for 15th making well over $200,000. Uh, Pat McAfee broke it down to like, that's like 1,900 lessons he would have had to give wow. to make that much money. Yeah. Not only that, but by finishing where he did, and hole-in-one on the back nine of the final day, Sunday. Didn't he swish that he too? Swished like it, he swished it. dunked it in the air. <sighs> Incredible, th- which ended up giving him enough score to finish in the top 15. Right. So he qualified for, he's playing in a tournament this weekend. Finished 11 over yesterday. It didn't go well. <laughs> but it got humbled real <laughs> back, fast. Back to earth. You're right. Um, and then, but gets to play the PGA Championship next year. And so it's just a really cool story. That's Sometimes a great story. The, the underdog, the guy, kind of the everybody's guy. And, and personality-wise was just fantastic yeah. to watch. It was great yeah. television. He's on all these interviews. Yeah. Got to play with Roy McIlroy, one of his, like, heroes and one of his, like, famous, yeah. like, most – popular players that and that's really cool uh just a cool story and it's just you know 
Yeah. I talk about baseball being romantic, but golf has some cool moments like that. It was just a cool story. It was a cool story. I, I actually flipped on and watched watched a little bit of that and saw his uh, saw him um, come out of the rough. Uh, one of those one of those shots, man, made a nice approach coming out of the rough, and uh, man, it was just playing playing good golf, right. you know. And it is it is it's a great story. It was a lot of fun to watch. I missed the swish though, but I mean, it's one thing if you bounce it on the green and it rolls in, but man, it <laughs> air it, it. Yeah, it it went in the hole from the air. That's insane. And that during like the little celebration dinner, like the, for the champions, and then mm-hmm. everybody, they were there's a clip of his caddy with his calculator app out showing Michael. His name's Michael Block. Uh, if I didn't say that, but showing him like what he made as a caddy. <laughs> And it's just a cool moment between <laughs> them because awesome. this is not a – I mean, yeah. he, he may be a professional caddy, but he's not caddying for, right. you know, Roy McIlroy, who's yeah. making millions of a year. I would imagine he got assigned. Rather than Block having his own caddy, this caddy got assigned, right? Probably. Because, like, Rory's got – his caddy travels. Like, he's his caddy. Right. Right? It's like oh, that's yeah, his that's job. His one. Yeah. That's and his job is Rory's caddy. This guy's probably not Michael Block's caddy. He's a – Right, but yeah. as a caddy, you make a small yeah. percentage on on the yeah. winning purse, and it was that's right over two hundred twenty five thousand dollars. He probably made a nice payday. That's pretty awesome. It is. It's cool. So yeah. fun, can, fun sports story. How can I caddy? I'll caddy. Yeah. I'll carry some nice clubs. Yeah. Hit the six iron. <laughs> <laughs> I know what to do. I just can't execute it. Right. Most caddies are pretty good golfers too. Like those oh, guys yeah. actually play and 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 good golfers. All right, man. That's good stuff, Chris. How about the? Let's get to the show. Let's rock and roll. May I have your attention, please? It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Thank you, voice. Well, guys, we uh t- today we want to uh, we want to talk about the topic of of death. Um, yeah, it's a little sober. Um, I think partly because well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, we've experienced uh, death uh, in our fellowship um, in the not too distant past, and uh, and and have over the years. You can't be in ministry long without um, right. shepherding people um, in, in death and. Um, and it's been a, a, a difficult um, eight weeks for, for some folks in our church and, and experiencing death and, and, and of a particular kind. It's just, it's just difficult and hard. And so you're faced with this reality in, the, in, in life. All of us on this earth are facing the reality of death. And so it feels a little bit like a downer to talk about death, but, but I think um, one of the ways that we maintain a good emotional health, good mental health is talk about the hard things, um, and not ignore them. And, and this week we have to face that. Um, and, and, and as a, as a, an elder in a local church and shepherding people, I, I get to be really up close and personal with that. And, um, and so we want to talk about death because it's, it's important. We put it in its right place. Um, at the very outset, uh, in the Bible, um, there's already been a rebellion, God never calls darkness good. And you get to the end of the Bible in Revelation, and you learn Revelation 21 and 22, darkness is gone. It's no more. It's yeah. only light. 
So there's already been something that's happened uh, in Genesis chapter three. Um, one of these created beings that is called the serpent um, shows up, and before he does, God had told Adam and Eve. He's already told them there's good and evil now. And he said, "Don't eat from this tree." And this is his, his words are very sobering. The day you do, the day you eat of it, you will die. Um, God had in mind that the full spectrum of death, not just the ending, the ceasing of physical of physical life, um, but the curse of death would be introduced. Because we know God had in mind the full spectrum of what death entails because it, when they ate of it, they did not physically pass from the earth. At that. They would live on but a lot of things died at that moment. The day you eat of it, you will die. De- death is death is um, death is more than just physical life stopping at that moment. Death is an entire framework of a curse that causes chaos and rupture and brokenness uh, and the devastation of all things that possess life. We possess life as humans. We're made in the image of God. God breathed into us the breath of life, and we became a living being, the Bible says. God caused animals to come into existence. God caused plants to come into existence, and they have life in them. God creates life. Rebellion inserts the curse of death, and what death does is death introduces um, chaos in the shalom, the order, the rhythm of life. And that chaos chokes life off and causes living things to, to pass into a state of, of chaos and disrepair and ultimately life stopping to course through its existence, whether it be a plant. Um, you see this in trees. You cut a branch off, the flow, the, the, the rhythm of, of that of that tree feeding into that branch and causing life to happen is cut off in that branch eventually withers away and dies because its life has been cut off. You see it in plants, you see it in animals, you see it in humans. Um, the curse of death created chaos in the human body so that I imagine if Adam and Eve could have seen into the future, they would have seen war. They would have seen just one chapter up, Cain would murder Abel. They would see the introduction of cancer, heart disease, um, wars, um, all manner of ugly things that choke life out of humans and ultimately end in their physical life ceasing. That's the curse of death. And so so just several things from that. Number one, death is not normal in created order. It was not normal. It's a, it's a byproduct of the rebellion of um, unseen, the unseen realm that is spread to the image bearers and all of creation. Um, so it's not normal. It's not supposed to be. That's why, it f- that's why it feels awful. That's why it feels down. God created life, and life is bubbly and good and joyous, and all the fruit of the Spirit, all that good, that good stuff, life is to consist in that. And things opposite of that are fruits of death. Right. And so it's not normal. And so because it's not normal, that's why it feels weird. That's why we don't want to talk about it. It's because it's not supposed to be. So that's number one. It's not normal. Um, number two, it's real. Like 
and I don't mean just we know like physical things stop living, but the virus of death is real in in chaos and disorder. Like God created shalom. The Bible uses this word shalom and an easy, simple translation is peace. Yeah. But shalom is richer than peace. Shalom is is a rhythmic order that's right. Things flow rightly. Things work rightly. The curse of death introduces the breakup of that order and that rhythm where things just work right. And, and we know it in life. Things don't work right. You make your best plans, and something can always interject chaos into it. Mm-hmm. That's the curse of death at work. Um, and so that's that's number number two. Um, it, it, that death is is more robust and, and uglier than simply physical life stopping, and, I, and then then finally, um, I would say death introduced the reality that our relationship with God would be severed, cut off, and need to be repaired, and that also a byproduct of that is relationship between humans is cut off and broken and it makes relationships harder. So death is death is this all-encompassing horrible not normal thing that's not supposed to be there. Um the the, the now, now we come to the other side of that. Jesus does this amazing thing. The eternal creator, Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um Jesus defeats death, the Bible teaches us. And he tramples over death by death. It, it's, it's God does this amazing thing where he defeats the curse with itself. Like he, he takes death and he defeats death with death. And he does that by his death because he, the eternal God, uh, cannot stay dead. So in the fullness of time, the eternal plan of God would be that Jesus, the eternal son of God, would come and he would take on human flesh and he would receive all of the curse of of death on himself through the wrath of God poured out against sin and death and all those things, and he would receive all that on himself. And it would be crushed. Isaiah 53, it would crush him. And he'd put to death. The Father would put him to death for sin, for death, and he would be buried. And on the third day, he rose. He rose, and he conquered death, and he defeated death by being the First fruits, the Bible says. He's not the first person to be raised from life. we got stories in the Old Testament where people were raised to life. Um, Jesus raised people to life in the Gospels. When the Bible calls him the first fruits, he's the first one to effectively, A, deal with death, and B, the example of what it's going to be for us. Yeah, He's the first fruits. And so, and so what we see in that is Jesus tramples over death by death. He defeats the curse with the curse. He takes the curse and uses it against the curse, and he defeats it, and Jesus is alive. Now, I'm going to say this. There is not an intellectual, theological, there's no argument on the face of this planet that will ever convince me otherwise that Jesus is alive. I'm 100% convinced, historically, practically, in every way, there's no body. And the preponderance of evidence is that Jesus is alive. And it's witnessed to by the transformed lives of his disciples and hundreds of people who saw him and refused to back off their testimony when faced with death. They would rather die than than tell a lie. Jesus is alive, y'all. And because Jesus is alive, this is huge. Tim Keller said this in a, in a Q&A, um, him just passing last week and people reading a lot of Keller again and 
posting videos. I saw this little video. Somebody asked him, you know, what would you say to our generation about the world we live in? And, and Keller's response was, because Jesus is alive, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And so <clears throat> that is simple and as profound as you'll ever get. Because he's alive, it's ultimately going to be okay. Because the resurrection truly does conquer death. And what Jesus set in motion with the coming of his kingdom is the eventual healing and restoration of all things. And so death is all that ugly stuff, but Jesus has defeated death. And so as Christians, we death is a sobering thing. We don't pretend it's not because it is. So that there's no place for fake, fakely, faking joy, faking pretending that it doesn't hurt or that it's not real or that it's not sober. It, it's awful. Um, and, and mingled with that, however, is the truth that Jesus has still defeated it. We have to experience it. It has effects, but Jesus has defeated it, and one day it will be no more. Right. And so, so that's, that's my probably over the too much on the front end. You have, you have some, some incredible stuff to share with us on how we approach that and how we deal with that, but I just want to lay that theological foundation very, very, Tiny, it's not super, super uh, robust, just enough for us to grasp what it is, and then how do we deal with it? No, I think that's a great foundation, and I think it should be simple, like in concept. Right. Um, you know, there we have these these aspects of our of life that are like, kind of like contrasting words. So, like light and dark, uh, dry and wet, good and evil. Yeah. For example, these these words are dependent on their opposite right because you can't quantify good if there's no evil that's right can't, and so but i feel death is kind of one of those few areas where you can really have both good and bad coexist if you're a believer yeah that's right and and, and so kind of when we talk about this is you know dealing with death is hard it's hard for everybody and we want to establish that yeah and for some of you this may be a difficult podcast to listen to because of experiencing that and our, our goal is not to trigger anyone or cause any more pain but it's i think as people who are talking about theological topics and as, as Christians in general, we need to have these discussions. We need to be reminded of things. And so I've got a few points here. And then as you guys know who listen, I like to have my takeaways too, right? So we've yes. got some of those at the end. I love them. Um, and so let's just, we're going to dive into some of those. And then, you know, Mitch, I know you'll have some, probably some comments as well. But mm-hmm. number one, I think it's just simple. It's okay to feel. Yeah, and and I think sometimes people just expect Christians to remain positive in all things and immediately trust and know it will be okay. And we do know that, like you, mm-hmm. you lay that out. We there's, you can hear me use this word a lot. There's this hope we have as believers, and I, I don't know how people who don't have that process death. I think feel like that would be mm. a very dark place to live yeah. if you had no hope of life after yeah. or anything. Right. Uh, and so, um, and that's probably well intentioned when people feel that way, but. We were made with emotions and feelings, and it's okay to be sad or mad. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to grieve. Uh, it's okay to cry. It's okay to go through the stages of grief because yeah. uh, that's how we were designed, and we all do that. Um, we do that not just in, in death, but certainly as we're talking about that today. Right. So don't feel – that's my number one here is don't feel bad and don't feel ashamed if you're a believer who is hurting or really struggling with the loss, yeah. uh, especially a loss of a loved one or someone close to you. Um, yeah, it, it, like so it's not normal. And so it fights against, death comes against the shalom of the normal functioning of the human soul. It's, it's, a, uh, it's an irritant. That's, that's, that's too mild, but it's a, it's a nasty irritant that gets into the shalom and throws out the order and turns it into chaos. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So yeah. there's there's the acknowledgement there will be mourning, and then there's the promise yeah. of you will be comforted. Yeah. And, and so there is hope. There's healing in that. Uh, you know, trauma is real. We talk about this a lot on the podcast. If you go back and listen to some past episodes, we talk about that. You and I both spend a lot of time in training and being trained in this area. And um, so it's important you process your grief utilize others and allow yourself to feel because uh, if you don't when that comes out later and it's going to it's going to be much harder yeah if we don't deal with those things now and so just want to give that freedom before we get into the next one that mm-hmm. it's okay to feel that's right and whatever your feelings are it's okay it's okay to be angry yeah at death we sh- i mean that's like you said it's i mean it's just not natural it's not mm-hmm. it's not expected something even when it is expected it's easy to feel that way that's right uh, number two honor and remember those you have lost uh, we don't need, we don't need to be quick to move on. Right. It's okay to to be there in that moment. Uh, it's okay to honor and celebrate someone's life. To be thankful for the time the Lord allowed them to be on the earth, whether it's a long, long time. Um, you know, my grandmother's turning ninety four tomorrow. Wow. And just grateful awesome. for that time. Yeah. I'm grateful that my daughter has a great grandmother. Um, I had mm-hmm. one and had a great grandmother that lived to ninety six or ninety seven, and so wow, like I was a teenager, 13 or 14, when she passed, so grateful for that time. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously we know that some, some lives are, are much less. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's important that we take time to be thankful for that. That may take some time. Yeah. Don't, not <laughs> not going to process that right away. Right. And so that's why I think it's important to honor, celebrate them. Um, it's okay to grieve every year on their birthday or on that year of yeah. the anniversary of their passing. Uh, remember them, honor them. We don't have to just forget and move on. Yeah. Because death does leave a mark on the soul, and and it's uh, the idea or somehow the thought that it shouldn't be there, that somehow faith and trust in the Lord removes deep wounds on the soul is false. And we know it's false because Jesus still bore the marks of his crucifixion after his resurrection to the first fruits. And so um, there is a reminder um on the body of the Lord Jesus, that death leaves a mark. Yeah. And so for us, faith doesn't remove those marks. It gives us the vehicle to process them and heal from them. And then yeah. the marks on those anniversaries and those moments, yes, we feel it, but we also are reminded that he can heal it. And I, I may be speaking, <clears throat> this is my opinion, this isn't laid out in the scriptures per se, but I'm convinced that the there's a, great amount of divine purpose in the fact that when Jesus rose and appeared, his wounds were still present. Yeah. Um, the holes in his hands are in his side. Like not just so that they would believe it was him, but I feel like there was probably a message underneath that. And again, I know I'm kind of adding this in here, so I want to make sure this is my opinion, mm-hmm. but I think to speak, just to speak to what you said, just to say, Hey, there's, we need to be reminded yeah, and I want others to be reminded that I I bore that as well, mm-hmm. uh, and it's okay to to deal with that to process that. That's good. Uh, <clears throat> number three, and this one's a little bit longer, but as Christians, our hope is in something far greater and eternal. Um, and I know this may go without saying, but I still think it's important to address. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, I know one of your favorites, says there are far far better things ahead than any we leave behind. Mm. And it's just super simple, but it's mm. super true. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> you know for for those who have lost someone, um, you know, they leave behind hurting and pain and suffering, but 
they're entering the presence of Jesus if they're right. a believer. And then yeah. that's where that, that hope is. There's greater things, especially when someone passes and who was, who was suffering or who was dealing with, you know, whether there's cancer or, mm-hmm. um, you know, heart issues or whatever it might be. Right. Being released from that <clears throat> into perfect healing, perfect health. Yeah. Uh, a new body, a new, spirit in him and being in the presence of Jesus. There's there's just so much greater things ahead. And while we still deal with that hurt here that's yeah. left behind, we can be comforted knowing that that is ahead for them. And there's a lot of scriptures that deal with that. Yeah. Um, just to here's a few that just that are personal favorites of mine. Uh, Romans 5, 3 to 5, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm. <clears throat> so that gets me every time. Yeah. <laughs> Pause mm. for effect there, but it's mm. just, you know, we, it's, it's, that's hard to say we rejoice in our sufferings. Right. But as believers, we can because of that hope yeah. because we know that that produces good things. So that's part of the, the great hope of, of what Jesus has accomplished. We can rejoice uh, in the suffering because it's going to be okay because Jesus is alive and he has defeated death. And so therefore death being suffering, there is the promise that it will be defeated. Yeah. And, and so we set our eyes on that. We walk through the hurt. We don't ignore it, but it can be mingled with a hope. Yeah. And our, our faith and our belief in that hope is what separates us from the non-believers. And that's right. Hebrews 11, one now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Yeah. That's, I love those words, that assurance, that conviction piece. Absolutely. Uh, and then second Corinthians four. Uh, so we do not lose heart. The, our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Mm. But this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Mm. Um, I love that. So, yeah. so yeah. just, you know, scriptures filled with these things, but it's a good reminder. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and then number four, this is my kind of last main point before we get to takeaways in a little bit. Um, and this is not necessarily for those who are hurting, but for the church. And it says, <clears throat> be the church. <laughs> Uh, mm. And if you are hurting, allow the church to be the church. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's hard. Uh, so what does that mean? Like, first off, I feel like TRC, we do a good job of this. When someone's mm. hurting or in need, our people rally. Yeah. Um, we've experienced that this last couple of months, um, the amount of people that are praying mm. and coming around some folks that were dealing with some really hard things. Absolutely. Um, and sometimes it's hard to know what to do in these situations. Um, you know, I want so badly just to go sit with our friends and just mm-hmm. hold them and hug them, uh, whatever they need around the house, just to be there with them. And, and sometimes that's not really mm-hmm. what they need or not a, a yeah. opportunity. And so, um, so I just, I, just, I pray. Yeah. I, just, I lay in the bed last night, just praying. And I, did, I didn't even know what to say. Yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> probably wouldn't even make sense, but he, he knows. Yeah. And so it's just to pray and encourage, um, be willing and, and be there to sit in that hardship with with those people who are hurting to walk through that with them um, so they're not alone. And for those who are hurting, it's easy to want to isolate yourself, uh, and understandably so, but I just beg you not to. If you're yeah. dealing with that hurting, don't don't sit in that in isolation. Yeah. Allow the people of God to minister to you, pray over you, encourage you. Um, allow them to come mow your lawn, fill your fridge with food, mm-hmm. you know, make the bed. 
uh, whatever it is that you that you are needing, because that's really what the church is designed to be. A, a large portion, a large yeah. purpose of the church is to be that for each other. The body of Christ. So very tangibly and very in a very real way, serving one another is the Lord Jesus serving his people. Yes. That's why we're called the body of Christ, and he gives those ascension gifts of himself to the church so that as we do those things for one another, we are receiving grace from Jesus himself. Right. Like that, that's, that's rich and profound. It's just true. Right. But it's hard to imagine that. We say, oh, it's, you know, Chris came and, and cut my grass. No, the Lord Jesus is physically and tangibly present through the Spirit of God enabling your gift of service to me. And so in a very real way, the Lord Jesus came and he made sure my grass got cut. And I don't think that's an overstatement. No, and I think that's part of the gospel. I think it's a part of the, you know, part of, obviously we talk about preaching and speaking the gospel, but sometimes it's about living it out too and doing that in a tangible way. Yeah. And, and it's, our pride gets in the way sometimes, you know, yeah. it's like I've been in situations where, man, money was hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Money's hard right now. I'm trying to get to the end of the month. <laughs> you right. know, that's, but like, and then people want to help and it's so easy to be like, no, no, I'm good. I don't yeah. need that. Like, you know, I have this need and you're offering to fill it, but I'm going to say no. Right. And I think especially in, in deep times of hurt and yeah. in pain, we just want to just be alone. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just urge people when you're in that moment, you know, don't do that. Don't, don't rob the church of the ability to come and yeah. let you focus on your healing yeah. by taking care of other needs. Yeah. You know, and so uh, that's not, it's easier said than done, but it's sure. just a crucial point. And Absolutely. I want to make sure we address that. So. No, that's good. That's solid. I, I, something that, that comes to mind, I, I think when we talk about death and this is important, this is, man, this is the crux too of like, if you hear this um, and you don't know where you stand with Jesus, um, Jesus offers, the solution to having to die twice. Uh, and that second death is, is a lot worse. Um, you know, God's judgment is often his passive and his active judgment. Um, God will often give you what you want. Yeah. If, if you don't, if you don't want to walk in righteousness and you want sin, he'll let you have sin. And if he stops catching you, he's turned you over. We get to the end of the book of Revelation, and we find this um, this amazing reality. Because here, here's a, here's a truth that that I think often is easy to overlook. There's not a human on the face of this planet that's not going to be resurrected. In fact, Revelation um, twenty makes it very clear that all humanity is going to be resurrected. Some are going to be resurrected to receive the reward of eternal life forever. Yeah. Some are going to be resurrected to be judged and cast into the lake of fire, which the revelation calls the second death. But it's in the present tense and it's present and it's active, meaning that that it's not second death and it's an experience and it's over and they're annihilated. The grammar gives the image that it is a continual ongoing living death. Death is so pervasive and so ugly that when man chose death, Death gets to stick around, but it's going to be the continual eternal punishment of those who refuse God's way of salvation. And whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. Jesus described it in the Gospels in a couple of ways. Uh, the Revelation describes it as a lake of fire that was created, and, and Matthew says it's created for Satan and his angels, for the devil and his angels. They are cast into it. And whatever that is, it's forever. It is present, ongoing, 
and it's called the second death. So you want death. You're going to be raised to life, uh, all of us at one point. And if you want to ensure that one death is all you ever walk through, make sure you come to Jesus and receive life so that when you are resurrected on that last day, um, you inherit all of life and are not cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. I mean, that's how pervasive death is, is it gets to hang around as the means of eternal condemnation for those who love death more than they love life. And, and, and man, just, and, and this is something too, you remember talk, talk about uh, earlier, death is, is more than the ceasing of physical life. It, it's the, it's the chaos. It's all this, it's the curse of death and the curse of sin and its pervasive nature. And you think about the culture of death that we live in. And it's yeah. not just, it's not just things that are the easy ones, like, like a, you know, like a abortion and, and all those things that, that is a culture of death. Um, Jack Kevorkian, like Dr. Death, this uh, physician-assisted suicide. You, you make some ethical argument for ending life um, by man's hands, um, whatever it happens to be. But death also manifests itself in things like social contagion that, that is so pervasive right now and, 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 and people believing their sexual identity is opposite of what God says it is, which creates chaos. It's chaos in the human soul. Yeah. It's totally contrary to the biology God created. That's death. That's that's death creating a system that will end in the ceasing of physical life of the host of that virus. And so death is so pervasive and it's so ugly and so devastatingly bad that it's going to be the means of eternal payment for those who refuse to receive Jesus' payment. For death and sin, and so, and so the good news in that is the offers there, right? The offers there that if you want, if you, we're all going to have to experience it, and we're all going to have to walk through it, um, and if you want that to be mingled with hope, you come to Jesus. Um, if not, there is no hope. There is no hope, and and so that's how ugly death is. But Jesus has offered the way to repair that, and all those who come to Him are going to get life, and He's going to see to it. He said. I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he die, yet will he live. And so <laughs> the reality is, um, even when we die, we go to be with the Lord until he reunites our soul with our body on that glorious day in which we inherit the eternal kingdom. Come to Jesus and receive that. Yeah, and there's urgency there. Um, yeah. you know, we have that hope now before the first death. Yeah, But if, if you reject that now, and you don't, you don't know when your last day is going to be, and so once that first death has happened, if you haven't accepted that free gift of salvation, yeah. there is no hope after that second one. It's that constant right. darkness. There's there's going to be screaming, but there's no one going to be listening. There's yeah. no hand to grab. There's no mm-hmm. foothold to find. It's just utterly falling and separation yeah. for all of eternity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, repent and believe. And, yeah. and if you don't know how to do that, reach out to us. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be happy to walk you through that. But that's that's why it's so imperative mm. as believers that we continue to speak that message and, and share that good news. Because uh, there's no good news without bad news. And the bad news is really, really bad. It's really bad news. That's right. Um, right. So what do you take away? Yeah, let's jump into some takeaways. I've just got three today, um, but I think they're, they're helpful. Uh, number one, prayer is everything. <laughs> uh, just talk to God and our deepest hurt and pain and our worst of times prayer is everything it's a great way to get your it's a great way to get your feelings out and connect in that relationship with the Lord as he is always listening and he is always near 
uh, you know, we think back Old Testament, we didn't have that access. You had to go through a proxy, but mm-hmm. because of Jesus coming, we now have that un uh, unobstructed access mm-hmm. to the Father. Yeah, and and He's just always listening. He's always near. Uh, sometimes just we just need to sit in silence and listen and be still. Uh, and because the truth is, like I was saying last night, I did I, sh- I didn't know what to pray. Like I, d- I didn't have any fancy words or like, I just, so just sitting there, just, um, you know, asking the Lord. But uh, even when we don't know what to say, the spirit intercedes for us. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Romans 8, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so when we don't know to, what to pray, we have the spirit, we have that helper that was Jesus sent to us, and he knows what to pray. Yeah. He knows what to ask the Lord, ask the Father for on our behalf. And there's some comfort in that. There is. We don't have to have this magic, poetic way of asking for things. The Lord, And the Lord knows even without the spirit. He knows all things, but... That prayer is so important, whether it's us in the hurting or when it's others, and we just want to pray on their behalf. That's the right. Spirit intercedes, and, and um, man, that just that's powerful. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and those words are not just empty. That's right. Amen. Um, and, and the end of that verse leads me into my second takeaway: He is always working for our good, mm-hmm. even when we cannot see it. Right. Even when we don't understand, even when we when it feels bad for us, because death feels bad. Yeah. And then no matter what it is, like even if it's Someone that, you know, like I said, who's older, who's, you know, we've been prepared for it. We knew it was coming. They died peacefully. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't feel good. Right. Um, but even in death, he's working all things. And I know for both of us, one of our favorite verses, um, Psalm 84, uh, 11, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's right. Uh, and that's 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 a promise. Like, that's a, that's a statement. It's a bold statement, a bold promise. Mm-hmm. And we can cling to that. Um, Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Hmm. Uh, knowing these doesn't mean we won't feel pain or sorrow or have some really hard times, but at least we can know deep down that the Lord is going to use this for his glory hmm. and ultimately for our good. And so hopefully that's strength that will strengthen your faith. Um, for those listening who are hurting, who are dealing yeah. with that, um, he's working it for your good. Amen. Even if you can't see that, it's happening. And then finally, um, this body and this world is not our end. Mm. For those who have been saved by grace through faith, there's more to come. Uh, Philippians three twenty and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Mm. And just a reminder, one day, one day we're going to be with him. Yeah. We'll be made new. We'll be made whole um, for the one we lost this week, for yeah. the ones we've lost before. Um, we'll spend eternity in the presence of the King. Mm. And, and that hope we've talked about uh, and the truth that will get you through losing a loved one or dealing in a hardship, hardship is there. Mm. Uh, everything here is temporary, including grief death, loss, um, but we are eternal beings yeah. and we have been made eternal beings yeah. through, by grace, through faith mm-hmm. in Christ through the salvation. Like you said, he defeated that death mm-hmm. by death 
and then he stamped it with his raising again to life. Mm. And um, I know these are things that we know. Yeah. And we hear it in church. We know those things. But sometimes even myself, man, we need to be reminded of that. We need, I just need a reminder that, hey, things of this earth are eternal. That hardship, that difficulty, that hurt yeah. is going to go away. And we're going to be made new. And we're going to be with them. And we're going to be with those loved ones again if they were in the faith uh, we're going to get to see them again. Absolutely. And that's... Uh, the resurrection to life is a reality, and the reunion of that great day is a great hope. Yeah. And that's that's huge. Yeah. It's, it's something to look forward to as part of that yeah, hope process. Right. So as you as you grieve and as you process those, also, you know, remember that. And yeah. Just say, I'm going to see them again. Yeah, that's right. And and they won't be hurting. Yeah. And they won't be suffering. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to be in his presence, yeah. and that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. To, to a great degree, this is one of the beautiful things that the good news of the kingdom does is it it takes the curse and uses it against itself. So, so that what we discover in death is death is not our death is no longer what we have to fear. We don't have anything to fear. In fact, death is the gateway to life. So, what Jesus does for those who come to him by faith is he turns this devastating thing of death into an actual grace by which we inherit all that he promised and only he can do that like without that you don't have that hope like if you don't have that that's not yours to have but you can have it and it's only coming to jesus by faith and when you have him though you have this great hope that death no longer has any sway over you there's nothing to fear i mean it's i'm i'm dreading that day but but I, I don't have to be in terror at it because it is Jesus took it and he turned it into a vehicle by which he will give to me all the good promises that he made. That's awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Paul said it so well, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Mm-hmm. And I even think, I like yeah. saying it, to live as Christ and to die is more Christ. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. Man, that's reassuring. That is reassuring, absolutely. Um, the only the only takeaway I would have for you uh, today, uh, just add, is is a uh, fight fight death, and and um, do everything you can to push back against death in this life. And I mean the chaos of death. I mean uh, it, even taking care of ourselves to fight against the 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 whatever the curse that is seeking to just, it's coming against us. We're going to physically pass. It is appointed a man to die once and after that the judgment unless we make it to the return. Um, but fight chaos. Fight all of those things that death brings with it. Um, if it's against the kingdom of God, find a way to push back against it. In all the good and holy ways God gives us to push back, push back against death. Death is not supposed to be. It's abnormal, and it's not for us to just lay down to. Um, so find all appropriate biblical and holy ways to push back against the chaos and the curse of death. And he gave us a manual for that, if you don't know how. He did. It's in the manual. It's in the That's manual. right. Well, guys, we absolutely love that you listen to Theology and Dirt. We love that you're watching on the YouTubes. You watch it on the Spotify. You listen to it, just plain old podcasts. We're grateful for that awesome stuff. Thank you for your questions. Thanks for emails. Thanks for the audience. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for giving a five-star rating, all that good stuff. If you have a question, something you want us to talk about, send it to theologydirt at gmail.com. And until next time, y'all have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. See you. Out. Peace.